Hi, Bill. How are you doing today? Robin, I'm fantastic, man. How are you today? I'm fantastic, too. I know Good. last week we uh, we didn't have an episode. You know, life got crazy. And the week before, you and I spent some time together uh, in Berlin, kind of seeing the sites and protecting the network. So That's it's right. good to be back in the studio chatting to you and sharing the security love. It's all about the love. It is all about the love. Robin, that was some quality time, I have to tell mm. you. But man, I'm I'm glad to be back in the saddle. I'm glad to be uh, be talking about the things we're going to cover today. It's exciting. Indeed. I, you can take some time out. You can relax. You can chill. But the security in the background, you know, hackers are still coming. Never Vulnerabilities stop. are popping up. And uh, things can be a little no, naughty. So That's right. I understand today you want to talk a little bit about the dreaded Black Baster. Yeah, I do. You know, Robin, I had such a great question come to me, uh, actually talking with some of our colleagues. They said, you know, why do we see so much news about ransomware? What's the big deal mm -hmm. about ransomware? Is that just kind of the, you know, the new flashy thing to look at? And it made me pause for a moment. I almost laughed because we can look at cyber threat actors as social activists, but that doesn't really pay the bills. Ransomware mm -hmm. does. So of course we're going to use ransomware. You know, we, we can certainly talk about DDoS attacks and causing disruption and so forth, but boy, there's Robin, there's a lot of money in ransomware. So oh, huge, huge. You only have to spend a few moments on some illicit underground forums to see, oh, I'm selling a session cookie for a million dollars. or That's I'm right. selling log files for $500. And these information are so easy to extract that it's... People are leaving money on the table. You know what? They Actually, are. I think I might just quit my job and just, uh, just go somewhere. <laughs> just going to go become a threat actor. That's, no, might might as well. Let's put resume, Robin. <laughs> may as well. May as well. So why is Black Buster so much of a concern? You know, well, Ransomware is everywhere. Yeah, they've been in the news lately quite a bit. So they were the ones that were behind the recent compromise at ABB Automation and with the American Dental Association. And now... There's been an announcement by Rheinmetall, a German corporation that works both in automotive as well as in the defense industry in arms. Apparently on mm -hmm. April 14th, they too were compromised, uh, compromised by Black Basta. And uh, boy, you know, here, here we go again. Uh, this, this threat actor tends to primarily target both uh, U.S. and German corporations, and when I say mm -hmm. here, I here we go again. It's because this is uh, likely related to the fact that Rheinmetall manufactures um, equipment in the defense industry that is being provided to Ukraine. So, uh, mm -hmm. motivation is there. the The potential for profitability is there. Let's do some ransomware. Why not? Let's get back in the news again. Indeed. So, just for those listening. Can you briefly explain Blackbuster? Are they a threat actor? Is it a virus? Is it a ransomware payload? Who are Blackbuster? Yeah, all of the above. <laughs> so it certainly is a certainly is a threat group and uh, known to to kind of be associated with the type of attack that they do and the software that they do. So, like many other threat actors that that try to go down the ransomware path. They will typically start a campaign with either, uh, you know, attempts to fish 
uh, or even as you just mentioned, spend some time in the underground forums, they will actually shop for credentials. If you if you go to some of the, uh, you know, let's call it the dark web, please don't use your Gmail address when you register. Um, <laughs> but if you go there, you would see that Black, uh, Black Basta has actually shopped for credentials. They've literally put out ads that say, if you have credentials for, you know, certain organizations, we are willing to buy them. So whether they're actually making the efforts for that initial access or they're simply shopping for credentials to make the make it a little bit easier, that's kind of their initial vector. Now, mm-hmm. what they attempt to do is to initially, so let's just talk about the path that they take. So initially they really try to get Quackbot into the environment. A lot of times they're using Excel uh, but once Quackbot gets in there, it's it's able to start looking around. It's able to uh, to, to actually um, survey the environment and eventually get us to a point where we are able to drop the malware on any of the endpoints. Now, mm-hmm. this is just a typical pattern, Robin, defense evasion. We're going to try to drop the malware. Uh, we might even try to reboot uh, into safe mode from a Windows perspective. And then this is when it gets fun because uh, the next step that that uh, Black Basta will take is they will try to pull in Mimi Cats. For our, our listeners that don't know Mimi Cats, learn Mimi Cats. It's responsible for harvesting credentials out of memory. Very effective. And then they'll attempt to escalate the privileges of uh, any credentials that they may be able to get a hold of and the way that they're doing this is exploiting a vulnerability from 2021, Robin, called Print Nightmare. So I remember that, remember that one. Yeah, yep. I remember that. I remember writing a blog about Print Nightmare. That 100%. What's old is new and what's new is old. Time uh, is a once, flat circle. Right, exactly. So, I mean, once they're there, then it's it's the typical thing, right? Uh, remote desktop protocol, bits admin, uh, manipulating WMI, even using a little bit of PowerShell to try to basically establish that lateral movement. Now, mm-hmm. I, I hope you'll you'll give me one second to geek out a little bit here. Oh, please geek. Wait, we're here to geek. <laughs> because they, you know, once they start the process of exfiltration, and this is kind of an argument among, you know, the ransomware threat actors, do you exfiltrate the data first and then encrypt? Or do you mm-hmm. encrypt first and then try to exfiltrate the data? Now, there's there's reasons behind both of those, right? One of mm-hmm. them is get the data out as quickly as possible. I think you you referred to it as a smash and grab once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other is we should encrypt the data first because if if you know we might try to evade any data loss prevention strategies, right? So mm-hmm. maybe if we encrypt, uh, we can do that. So. Uh, they certainly try to exfiltrate prior to encryption. They use CoBeacon. If you're familiar mm-hmm. with Cobalt Strike, CoBeacon, right? It's part and parcel. <laughs> what 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 I want to geek out about though is, and it, it's kind of cool, is they when they do the encryption, they encrypt with ChaCha20, not AES. And I love the arguments that say, why would you do ChaCha20? AES is so well proven. Um, it, it doesn't make sense. And then, of course, folks will argue back and forth. I actually see the reasoning here. And, and, and I'm, I'm a crypto nerd, Robin. And, and I don't mean cryptocurrency. Anytime I say that, you know, I'm a crypto nerd. Somebody says, well, what do you trade in? And my response is twofold. Number one, it's none of your business. And, and number two, I'm referring to cryptography, right? Uh, you, so, you trade in secrets. Right, okay. trade in secrets, exactly. But ChaCha20 is great because it doesn't rely on any type of hardware acceleration, right? Normally, uh, AES, it can be slow unless there's some hardware assistance uh, and, and even some lookup tables. 
that uh, that can be embedded into hardware. Cha Cha Twenty. Uh, a little bit newer than AES does not rely on any acceleration, so it's fast, and and that's important when you're a threat actor trying to uh, you know to do this encryption and mm-hmm. uh, and develop this this extortion scheme that that you're trying to do. But eventually, once it's encrypted, Cha Cha Twenty is a symmetric algorithm. You can talk more about that, but then their their key is encrypted with a public key issued by uh, Blackbasta, and uh, you know. And 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 there we are. So I mean, it's a very typical pattern, Robin. Mm-hmm. The big question is, what do you do about this? I mean, here's Ryan Mittal. It's a defense organization. They obviously compromised ABB, huge organization. Mm-hmm. What do you do about this? And you know, we we we've just got to go back to what you and I have <laughs> talked about so many times. Are you checking for for domain mm-hmm. reputation or suspicious domains when when the phishing attempt happens? Do you have a, a software defined perimeter so that when your endpoints get compromised and malware drops, anti malware drops, uh, are you noticing that? And then mm-hmm. are you are you quarantining that? Um, are you using next gen any malware to stop Mimi cats? Do you have a firewall to prevent lateral movement? Do, mm-hmm. do you have IPS? Right? All of these different pieces to, to prevent the data being exfiltrated. Even are you monitoring your network so that you see anomalies when that data starts exfiltrating out of your organization? You should see that happening. So all of this, if, if you look at a, a sassy solution that has a truly unified context, not service chaining, not, yep. not shared context per se. I think you even said something about that recently. A unified context is key so that all of these aspects are being taken into consideration. By the way, this is where I'm supposed to start talking about MITRE, right? And, and make a plug <laughs> for that. But let's, let's look at this from a behavior perspective. So, you know, once again, here we go. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, very typical ransomware attack, very visible one. And my goodness, there are things that you can do to literally cut that off at the knees. Mm-hmm. We have an opportunity to do that. Absolutely. The frustrating thing from me about Blackbasta is they're not doing anything really new. Not at all. All of these ransomware attacks that we're seeing in the news and you know, just look at the cost of cyber insurance, cybersecurity insurance. Sure. That's rocketing. And yes. the reason it's rocketing is because these threat actor groups are using the exact same techniques, tactics, and procedures across each of the things. Sorry, I threw some mitre out there, some terminology. I, I love it. <laughs> but it's the, it's the same story over and over again. You have initial access, you have privilege escalation, you have encryption, you have lateral movement. And it's very easy from an outsider perspective to say, okay, if you had IPS, you could protect against this. If you had anti-malware, you could protect against that. Robin, but there's so much out there. Yeah, you know, you hit something huge here. Ransomware is a commodity now, mm-hmm. right? There's there is ransomware as a service that yes. that you know threat actors can literally contract it out. I'm I'm getting ready to go do a talk to dig in in depth into Lockbit. Boy, you want to talk about just an amazing pioneer in terms of ransomware as a service and some of the things that they are doing to ensure their business. Uh, operates in a in a very efficient manner, so they can work with initial access brokers. They can even work for those who are are simply uh, looking for social reasons to to make an attack somewhere, and and they can simply be uh, hired out to do that. So you're right. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to understand that that cyber insurance is aware of the fact that this is becoming a commodity. It's very yes. easy 
to avail yourself of, of this kind of technology when you're a threat actor. And so as an organization that is trying to defend themselves against such attacks, what are the things that you can do that are going to meet the strict criteria that cyber insurance agencies are are looking to impose in order to insure. Now, look, mm-hmm. they'll insure you if if it's you know if you're going to adopt a, a more risky security posture, but you're going to pay for that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like anything else when you talk about uh, insurance and, and risk mitigation and and the financials behind that. So very mm-hmm. very interesting. And uh, again, we see this is still the same thing, right? How Mm -hmm. do we compromise that end user? How do we confuse them? Mm -hmm. How do we fool them? And then just take the pattern forward. Uh, Again, if you don't have that unified context, you're going to miss it somewhere along the line and and they're going to be able to sneak through. I mean, the reality of this situation that we're in right now is tons of Fortune 500, Fortune 2000 companies are in vendor lock-in. They have architecture that they decided to purchase in the 1990s. They have so many interconnectivities that they see migrating away to be an insurmountable, impossible task. True. But where we are, we have people in schools, uh, high school, secondary schools, who are actually seeing threat actor or being hackers as legitimate career paths. They are. Very, very legitimate. So I occasionally do talking at a local university, and whenever we discuss um, any security attacks or threats, people are instantly thinking, how can I use that to benefit me? So they're not coming at this through the perception of, oh, we need to protect, we need to have a secure perimeter, we have to have a unified context. They think, oh, well, if I use Mimikatz right now or a Wi-Fi pineapple, I can do SSL stripping and get usernames and passwords, and then it benefits me straight away. That is the mentality of the next generation coming through because they were born with it and the accessibility of tech is so easy. So ransomware, Blackbuster, this is not the end. This is the very beginning of the digital wave of ransomware attacks. And anecdotally, I'm seeing a significant increase over the past six months in news articles about people being exploited, extorted, and challenges. It's, it's a commodity. I mean, it's easy to do. It but is. Here's, here's the thing. Again, it relies upon the confusion that is generated by an uninformed user. Mm-hmm. So let, let's not forget the importance of education in this entire piece. But I, I, I think in some ways, even that education is starting to get muddied because, mm-hmm. well, maybe even the, the good guys, and I'm going to air quote that because <laughs> one, one guy's good guy is another guy's bad guy. From my uh, point of view, the Jedi are evil. You're right, exactly. <laughs> but but it's, it's really, it's getting confusing. And sometimes the, the, the good guys do rather foolish things. And I know that you and I were whispering about a little something with top level domains that you were going to share today. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that and what you found and and, uh, why it's getting so confused. Indeed. So foolish is the key. So today, if you were to go to the internet, you have a series of top level domains. You have your .com, your .co.uk, your .org, .co. However, there's been a a new top level domain, which has caused a little bit of a ruckus for many people, which is the great top level domain of .zip. That's right. Zip file, archives, compression files. You can go to photos.zip, which is a legitimate domain now being resolved by Google DNS. And that's caused so many organizations to panic. Oh, yes. .zip contains malicious payloads a lot of the time. Downloading random zip files from weird websites can cause a pain. There you so go. now with organizations coming out with legitimate TLDs, top-level domains of .zip, well, this has caused a lot of problems. 
Yes. Now, I just want to preface this to say, if you're a Cato customer, then our secure web gateway will automatically classify this top-level domain as potentially malicious. Potentially. We'll call so it suspicious, we would, at least. Yes. Suspicious. Suspicious. So we would proxy that traffic using our remote browser isolation tool and then serve just the pixels to your end-user machine, the canvas element. This ensures that this potentially malicious, potentially suspicious website is secure and away from you. But oh, so <laughs> so many of my friends in security operations centers have had red lights flashing everywhere. Sure. Suddenly this <laughs> this URL, this top level domain. Oh, Bill, can you think of any exciting security challenges of a .zip domain? <laughs> how does how does Ooh. an uninformed end user distinguish between it and a file? I mean, come on. Yep. It's crazy. <laughs> are you going to download a file or are you going to access a page? Yeah. Suddenly, phishing has become easier than ever. And the That's more right. noise we make about this, the more end user education can be made. Now, I don't know the logic behind the .zip domain. This might be a new country. It might be a new push from the ITF somewhere. However, mm. I can't think that too many security practitioners were involved in its inception. Right, right. And it also opens the floodgates of future potential domains. Maybe a .exe, a .tar domain. Maybe we'd have a .jpeg domain. Wow. I yeah. mean, theoretically, yeah. it's all possible. Absolutely. These floodgates have now been opened. So. No, you're right. And you're going to see remote browser isolation become more and more of a, a necessity just to Indeed. protect users. So that that really is, at this at this point, when this is so new, and the opportunity to educate is still that it's it's so wide open. Remote browser isolation is is really what's going to take you there. We, protect really against there. the unknown. Protect against the undefined. Protect against the uncategorized or the unsure. That's right. That's so right. if you currently don't have remote browser isolation on your network, highly recommend you try and implement it. Ideally, in a sassy context for that single uniform view of every single packet on your network. That's right. So, Bill, I know we're running a little short on time, so let's uh, wrap it up for today. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for your time. I look forward to it. And until next one, you stay safe out there. Appreciate you, Robin. You stay safe as well. Until next time. Bye for now. Bye.